Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond the Gym Floor, Programming Part 2. If you haven't got your tickets already, don't forget Programming Workshop, Gold Coast, 2nd and 3rd of March at Zero Weakness. Link is in the bio, all the details are there. Tickets are far too cheap. They are selling, they are limited. Make sure you get them two full days, one a strength, one a physique. Melbourne went off and we're going to make it even better this time around. We'll also probably be doing some social stuff, so training sessions, hangs, uh, so we can knock around, talk business, talk training, talk whatever. Also, make sure you jump on the website and check out our standout PT program. Intake is open right now, 26 weeks, weekly workshops on your personal development, systems of your business, what you offer your clients as a service, how you sell, and... Uh, the skills element as well. So things like programming, but even going into finance and all that as well. Hope you enjoy the episode. Don't forget, like, share, subscribe. Subscribe is the most important button for us. Uh, Really gets it out there, but also sending it to a friend makes a really big difference. So if you like this two-part episode, send it on. Hopefully it's useful. If you have any questions, send them through and we'll definitely answer for you on next week's pod. Hope you enjoy it. See you soon. Yeah, if I didn't, if I don't have this, yeah, I'm just gonna be staring at you. Like, <laughs> this is the official intro to the second part. Welcome to part two of the programming. We've decided to take a coffee and a toilet break and come back. I'm gonna, ha- I've got a, a protein hit. What do we got here? What are we working with? Seventeen point nine grams is all right in this small. Yeah, I had a big one. It's thirty five. I don't know how many yeah. calories. Yeah, we'll make it work. Don't worry about. <laughs> Down to 86, Jace. High yeah. 86s. 86. How's it feel to be 86? Uh, it's all right. Both both good and the bad. Share with the people. I'm uh, enjoying my resting heart rate being 49. Yeah. It's pretty nice. <laughs> Mine is not 49. <laughs> Remember how we were laughing about trying to get out of bed a f- couple of months ago? Yeah. I can now get out of bed with Elijah in my arms. Uh, that's impressive. So that's not bad. I've got less of a kick since um, I got that treatment from Laura. Yeah. Feel yeah, with my bit, hips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> feel a little bit feel better. A little bit better, yeah. And I'm obviously doing my rehab too. So yeah. Being a good boy. Yeah. Being yeah. able to stand up with a sleeping child and then place that said sleeping child in whatever yeah. position they need to go in smoothly. It's an important skill in my life right Absolutely. Now. <laughs> Absolutely. You, know, you know what I think? Um, I change the height of my chair. Yeah. So I think I had my chair too low. Yeah. And I, there was Hips too much. The knees. Fl- yeah, too much flexion. So what I did, because I was getting these like fucking achy pains when we just sit for too long. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm fucking wrecking the PlayStation. And yeah. Yeah. You know, some days I could spend 10, 12 hours in there. Yeah. You know, by the time I finished work and had a sesh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. On, with the boys playing COD. Um, so then I put it, the, uh, I went fucking the other way to like dangly too feet. High. Dangly feet. <laughs> Um, lower back sore now <laughs> well I feel like because it was so tight it kind of worked yeah. and, then, and then after a little bit I just dropped it a tiny bit Yeah. so I think I've just got to be real conscious of like the, the hip needs to just be above the knee Yeah. and I just need to be able to touch the ground I found slightly. a ramp makes a difference too I was going to say footrest yeah. <laughs> I've got one of those physio ramps yeah yeah having my feet on that I, um, helps a lot I thought about getting one I just didn't know if that was the right thing to do but I was yeah. like it would be nice to push against something yeah um, so maybe I need to just make that addition because, like, yeah, 
It's just like then you can get out and do some bicycle squats in your breaks. Yeah, it's amazing. I think I got a spare one here if you want to try it. I would absolutely love to try that. Yeah, yeah just to see if it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, I, I'm feeling get this caffeine more and more like a an office worker by the day. Pretty yeah, much. it's crazy. Hey, yeah, because I'm crazy. doing less and less. Like literally outside of training and walking myself or the dogs. Yeah, I don't get to do anything. Yeah, so I even have to physically remind myself to like use your standing desk, mm. like kick yeah. your chair out of the way, put your walking pad, like the mat. Yeah. If I don't have the mat down, I'm like, oh, this hurts a bit. Yeah. Like I have to have the mat. It's like I'm like, fucking, how did we get here? But again, it's like understanding now. You don't appreciate how much random movement you do on yeah. the gym floor as a personal trainer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all the um the dynamic exercise, like the dynamic stuff you do, just like picking up weights yeah. and. You know, carrying one twenty fives here, up yeah, there, picking it up, there. carrying it one one either side, doing the farmers carries to like the weight stack and shit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, I get it. All those people telling us sedentary workers we don't need to warm up to train. Yeah, because we're stiff. Because they're twenty three year old personal trainers. Well, they're, they're that, that and they they have like all these these dynamic movements and stuff. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like if I spent if like if I went from here right now. To the gym. Well, last time we did that, I fucked my back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We sat here for five hours and then I went and trained and didn't do a proper warm up mm-hmm. and I fucked myself. Yeah. You know, um, granted, someone's going to come at me and say I probably should have done X, Y, Z, but like, I just think like the stiff, like I just feel stiff yeah. and you know, bound up and shit. So maybe like you got to kind of know the person a yeah. little bit to go, oh, this person doesn't need as much of a warm up as this person. Like the goal is obviously mm. always to get them under the barbell as soon as possible. You know, efficiency, yeah. blah blah blah. I know for me, it's like I got to spend a bit of time these days that I didn't necessarily have to back in the day. Yeah, and like I, I've been joking about this, like make the foam roller great again thing. I remember putting all of my clients through three or four foam roller exercises before they trained every time. Psychologically impact, physically impact, preparation for training whole kind of combined and then it just be, went out of vogue to do that and the people that were saying it like didn't, it's useless it only gives it's you it's because it was reversible right that's what the argument basically was basically it's like it only gives you a short window of time 20 minutes or something wasn't it yeah it was like cool when you train so you can train in those ranges when you do the hardest set part of your workout right <laughs> so yeah it went out of vogue weirdly and I think it went out of vogue from 22-year-old personal trainers that go through dynamic movement under load eight hours a day yeah. and don't need to do it. Yeah, or probably people who have really awesome resting muscle lengths that yeah. don't need to do that shit. You yeah. know? Or even maybe are on the other end of the spectrum and did it and yeah. saw a decrease in their performance. Yeah, so they need to do stability drills instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I saw an interesting video yesterday of people who, if you have hypermobility, doing pre-fatiguing work to make them rigid interesting yeah i've never really kind of looked into it mm. i mean i've never had anyone who's really kind of hypermobile um like is in excessively hypermobile. my wife's probably the most hyper i've ever trained um but yeah like yeah someone like again this was just in passing like you know my attention span wasn't directed at that it just <laughs> fell into my lap yeah. and i was like oh this sounds interesting yeah um but yeah like doing some form of like kind of pre-fatiguing to create like some stiffness in the tissues before they yeah, go wow. into a a more loadable movement um, can be effective for you know, hypermobility. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't it, yeah, it sits well. Like, it, yeah. you know, I wouldn't sit there and be like, that's fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. There you go. That was a. I don't know how we got there. I was, it's funny. I just went in the toilet. I was like, "Fuck! How do we do another intro for this one?" Talk, mate. If it's about talking shit, it just happens. Like, it just happens. I'm the man. All right. Got to bring something to this to this business. <laughs> <laughs> so, in our previous episode, if you're just tuning into this one, you're wondering what the fuck we're doing. This is part two of a two-part programming episode. So, in the previous one, we talked about where we start to assess a program or assess a client to then put them into a program, what factors we look at in terms of deciding a pathway, so whether they go into strength, physique, athletic development, fat loss, like what lens we're looking at their programming through and how we determine that. Our training paradigm, so explaining why we want to build a baseline of strength for all of our clients and then how we move through Mm -hmm. different phases of training or different lenses of training based on where that person is and how a SBD person may dip into bodybuilding style programming and vice versa at different times to achieve specific outcomes. Talks about our recovery recovery score formula and how we determine different people recover different from different training stimulus and why. Starting volume, uh, we just ticked off the physique one on the previous episode. So, what about um, why are we talking about programming again? Oh, because oh, we're coming to the Gold Coast for a programming workshop. Second and third at Zero Weakness Gym upstairs in the air conditioner. <laughs> we're thrilled about that because the Melbourne boys are coming. Absolutely, and I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling thick. Yeah. I think I might be a hundred by then. Awesome. Yeah. I might be 85. I, there'll be a big... 15 kilos. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But we're coming. I want to train with you. Bringing our methods for strength and physique coaching. Yeah. Um, Program we ran earlier or late last year. Yeah. In uh, Melbourne. Argu- arguably hard skill wise. Not even arguably. Definitively hard skill wise from like a raw, like you need to have this as a coach. Mm. Best workshop we we deliver. Oh, not talking I, business. But I'm not in Queensland. Fly. Who cares? Not talking, coast. not talking business. No. Hard skills of personal trainers like communication, coaching, you know, programming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like not business stuff so mm-hmm. that we, you know, yep. people get the ick when we, you say the word. <laughs> say the B word. This is the best workshop we deliver. Yeah. Outside of that. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Systems, repeatable, quantifiable, effective. Yeah. I cultivated think- over 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Countless results. This is the one. Clip all of that, Tam. Just clip so it. pumped. Just clip it. I'm so pumped. Yeah, we it. had a really good time doing this in Melbourne. Yeah. Feedback was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you can't half tell, like, we love talking about this shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, we like, you know, super motivated business, all that stuff. Like, want to make sure you guys have the skills to succeed. Every time we talk about training, you and I just go off. Yeah. <laughs> Any question yeah. we get, we just go on tangents. It's yeah. like we are very passionate personal trainers at heart. Yeah. Yeah, be good at We just want to make sure that you guys can be good and run a business at the same time to choose yeah. how long you be in the industry for. Yep. So where 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 are we picking up? So yeah, we did starting volume for physique in the yep. previous episode. So starting volume for a strength uh program athlete person. Lifter. Lifter, thanks. <laughs> I'll just call them lifter. That, that coffee will kick in soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, basically what we're looking at is with the strength program, we look at movement-centric programming. Well, I do. The model that we present does. 
So instead of looking at how many sets for chest, we look at how many sets of pressing. Yeah. How many sets of pull? How many sets of hinge? How many sets of squats? Now, we spoke about in the previous one how that there's this effective range of potentially 6 to 12 sets yeah. per muscle group. It's going to be effective, blah, 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 blah. When it comes to strength, we're, pro- we're biasing what you're going to recover from the most. Mm. So a bench press is least amount of work in terms of bar travel mm. and load. So least amount of fatigue created through that lift mm. compared to a deadlift, which is going to be grip, actual loading through the spine, long bar travel, high loads. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do more bench press than we are deadlifting. Mm. Based on when I went back and forth with Mike and with Chad on this about like fatigue squat versus back, mm. um, we ended up leaning on the volume being the same. Yeah. Because as a strength athlete, you probably don't need to do as much back work. Yeah. So it, even though it might be slightly less fatiguing than squat, you could do more. We need to squat a lot because it's kind of important. So we actually made them the same. Yeah. So one over the spectrum, you got bench press, squats, upper body pull, and then your lower hinging Yep, uh, is at the lower end of the volume distribution. Then we go another step where we look at, depending on where you are in the sequence. So in the last episode, we talked about the four program types within mm-hmm. strength. So we have hypertrophy, have hybrid, hybrid, which is some heavy, some volume. Then we have strength, which is really just mm-hmm. higher intensity, lower volume. And then obviously the peak, which is yeah. just do the main lifts. Yeah, which a lot of most clientele never need to go into, to be honest, unless you're going to compete. Yeah. So inside that, we have different volume allocations, which we spoke about in the last episode. So it goes from about baselines, about 70 down to kind of 60-ish to 50. Mm. And then the peak ones usually like down to 25 working sets. Then inside that, we need to go, okay, how much of that distribution are we putting into the, those lifts mm. so we split them up by percentage like we said more bench mm. less deadlift throughout that we also want to consider if i'm doing a hypertrophy focused program i actually don't need to do prime lifts right now yeah there's not a lot of benefit to super high volume deadlifts off the floor low bar squats can't bench press yep you can build volume way better using other yeah. metrics so that's something we consider we actually pull that out and then we distinguish what percent should go into accessory work, into multi-joint work, into isolation work. Mm. And then as you get, again, down that chain, when people always talk about increased specificity, increased intensity, decreased volume. Yeah, You can see that happen in the volume distribution. So the prime volume goes up, isolation comes down, multi-joint comes down continuously through those four. Of course. And that's how you end up with a 26-week yeah. strength program designed to go into a peak. And that's different degrees of taper. Correct. Yeah. So it leads into the next question of periodization. I know this is a passionate topic for you when it comes to physique. Mm, interesting one. Um, How do you periodize <laughs> your physique clients? I periodize them based on the goal more than anything because... Um, your like if we look at traditional periodization models they're not made for bodybuilders mm-hmm. you know 
linear block like yeah, block what? periodization you could probably use but you just block it for like centralizing focus and yeah. distribution of muscle uh sorry uh, volume to to a specific muscle group sorry um but yeah like your traditional linear and non-linear periodization models don't really kind of lean into uh physique training and they can um but even then like i think you know comparatively like if someone's just working with like those overarching fundamentals of training where it's like you're working adequately to failure um you've got a, a, a an an effective amount of volume to elicit a stimulus um and you're doing that regularly and progressively overloading like the the results don't seem to be much different at the end yeah so with that being said um you always want to have like a time sensitivity to your training mm-hmm. so that's where i'll be like oh we're going to grow for this period of time yep. this particular focus is on you know your lower body this particular focus is on your upper body this particular focus is on your arms this particular focus is this so you could do it like that. Um, and then even from a macro perspective, um, for a physique client, it's like, cool, we're growing here, we're maintaining here, we're you know losing fat here, yeah. you know, we're doing whatever. So if you had it from that perspective, like you can also change the training based on the outcome. So in a growth phase, it's like really hypertrophy specific training. Maintenance phase, you probably go more to like hybrid, um, that hybrid kind of, you know, some heavy lifting, some volume. Yeah. And then in a fat loss phase, it would most likely be not a full strength program, but a little lower volume and heavier lifting at the start of your session and then a little bit of pump work at the end because yeah. you're really just trying to like load the tissue and hold on to the tissue. Yeah. Then you are to build it in a fat loss phase and your capacity to take volume and recover is lower. So you need less to you know, do that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I take the periodization into the training, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously really different to something with like an athletic outcome. Um, outcome. Yeah. 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 Makes total sense. I like the, I still use probably the block model. Your block works. For physique, like. Yeah. Block works the most effectively. I think anything yeah. outside of that, like may work. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily work with competitors. So the block model's nice as a, I don't want to un like. I don't want to insult it by calling it an entertainment factor, but it kind of is. Yeah, so maybe novel. Yeah. So it's like we're moving through different stimulus at different times. It's novel to the body. Mm. Maybe kind of encourages a little bit more change. Walking that line of changing programs, changing styles too mm. often, where you're not really milking mm. everything you can out of them. Agreed. So it's it's balancing those. Uh, I think if I was going to pro, when I think about the people that I know that are massive and even looking at pros and all that kind of stuff, they always have how they train. And it's such and such trains. Like Phil Heath does yeah. eight to 12 for everything. Yeah. And, um, and they always have like five exercises that they like the most. Yeah. Yeah. That Kai, Kai do. does sets of 20 all the time. Mm. BPAC had tempo. Yeah. Um, Dorian did one heavy set. Like mm. everyone just found their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jay did high volume one, one exercise, but uh, sorry, one muscle group per week. Yeah. It's like, I, I know for me, that's pro- and like, actually not so much for me, for the demographic of people I train more often than not heavy lift into compound into isolation mm. is phenomenal. 
Yeah. And you could literally just change the variable of the actual lift mm. and keep everything the same endlessly. Yeah. Manipulate nutrition and most people will continue to improve. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, the in absence of the things that I spoke about before, no periodization model works. Yeah. If you're not training close to failure, if you're not progressively overloading, if you don't have enough training volume, yeah, those things will supersede any periodization model that you implement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, and then like in some ways, like a periodization model just allows someone to follow a system. Yeah. So it makes them more yeah. compliant and the, and the fact that they're doing the thing is actually making it more effective. Yeah. And that's maybe where the validity of it is. And then you have time to work on a specific thing for a specific period of yeah. time. And I think that even comes from the coach's mentality too. Absolutely. The, the coach having a periodized model that they can hang on to that this is going to work. Absolutely. Makes them more bought in, which makes their it makes it more quantifiable, yeah. accurate, consistent, you know, and I, there's nothing wrong with that at yeah. all. So if you have a periodization model and you're yelling down the, the yeah. lens at Jace at the moment, they're going, no, nah, fucking, this is the best. It's like, yeah. if, it's probably working. Well, you, I, I feel like there's so many, everything. I feel like there's so many ways to define a periodization though. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you're, if you're starting and ending, ending a program with a specific outcome in mind yeah. and you're managing someone's fatigue and performance within that time period, yeah, is that not? And then you write another program that's considers that one. Yeah. That's periodization. Yeah, so that, yeah. yeah, exactly. So then yeah. it's like we can't all do it. It's just yeah. like I don't know where the traditional ones sit in the realm of physique training because mm. the typical one is start high yeah, and go low in the reps yeah, and start low uh, in the volume and okay. go high in the volume. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the best thing to apply, mm. you know, the most effective way yeah. to apply for a physique client and then the non-linear one is the opposite starting yeah. low and then moving high um and the same with the, the the set swinging the other way so i think that outside of like those traditional models having some form of way to dial in on a time frame yeah and manage performance and fatigue and all those things absolutely yeah from a strength standpoint uh i'd have a model not the model but a model that mm. I would follow so we talked about having those four different blocks mm. how we apply them would depend on the individual yeah so particularly if you're looking at a competitor or um, someone who's taking a little bit more seriously let's say particularly if a weight class is involved though it's going to depend on what they need more of to get better mm. regardless, even if it's regardless of weight class like what do they actually need to get better a novice lifter needs to get better at lifting. Yeah. They don't need to take six months off to build a fuckload of muscle. They need yeah. to get better at lifting weights. Mm. So that hybrid, some heavy stuff, some volume stuff, probably perfect. Yeah. An intermediate, it's going to start to depend on are you, if they're proficient skill-wise, are they at the body weight they want to be at? Do they want to be bigger? Do they want to be lighter? Do they want better body composition? That That's where, particularly for myself, because I'm working with most people that want to do powerlifting, whether they compete or they just do it for fun and look good. Mm. 
So my lens is a little bit different than just how do you become the strongest person on the platform. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because that's just build the most fucking muscle you can. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. stay within a reasonable weight class. Yeah, at the expense of a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Versus if body composition is a concern and I have a girl come to me who says, I don't want to be heavier than 67 and a half kilos, which is my current weight class. Mm. And I'm going, yeah, but you'd be fucking strong at 72. Mm. It's like, they don't want to be 72. Absolutely. They want to be this size. It's like, okay, well, I'm not spending a lot of time in a hypertrophy block. Yeah. I'm yeah. leveraging neurological changes mm. as much as I possibly can. So yeah. the strength is going to happen within the nervous system, essentially. Yeah. Not within tissue. Yeah. And I, I, like we'll have people that are, you know, want to be strong and, you know, but they still love bodybuilding. Great. So I'm never going to sit there and be like, well, you you yeah. can't squat bench and deadlift. Like, yeah. Bro, you can't like, be in a calorie deficit. I've got a dude who's peaking his bench press. Yeah. Um, but the rest of his program's bodybuilding. Yeah. Because he's just like, he's just like, I just want to, he's like, there's one day where we're going to bench. Yeah. And he's like, and I just want to make I sure I've it. got a good bench. So I'm like, sweet. So yeah. we're just, we're just going to start with the, you know, a bit of volume accumulation with your bench, move it into a lower intensity, a higher intensity range, lower volume. Yeah. We'll do a few, two weeks at singles, um, you know, just one set and then back off. Mm-hmm. and then the rest of the stuff is just yeah volume waste work yep so yeah. yeah you definitely once you know the rules you know how to play with them yeah. for each situation you're not breaking them you're just going like what does this person want slash need mm-hmm. and how can I make that facilitate within the, you know these two kind of realms that people think um, are independent of each other yeah but coexist and overlap so, so much. much yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone just goes like if you're a strength athlete or a bodybuilder like you're two totally different people. Yeah. It's like you both lift heavy species. shit. You both lift heavy shit all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know. Just how many times? Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there you go. Podcast done. Yeah. So <laughs> Workshop will be five minutes. <laughs> so if I'm looking at to make it more specific so there's more takeaways, right? If I'm looking at a competitor, I go, when's the date of the competition? Mm. I've got four weeks usually. So first week, First week working backwards. Yeah. So minus one week's deload. Yeah. Minimal training happening. Then generally speaking, the way I try to work it, five to seven days is last bench press. Yeah. Uh, seven to 10 is last squat. Eight to 10 is last deadlift. Yep. Depending on when it's a lift off, they're usually a bit closer because it's like... They're not really intermediates yet. Beginners not lifting as much. Yeah, they're missing on skill and not on load. Having that much time can fuck them up. Not yeah, psychologically. Yeah, just practicing the skill and shit. Correct. Generally speaking, four weeks is the peak. Three of them is peaking, working up to your like gym PB, and then we deload you, recover, and then get into competition. Yeah. Before that, generally, I like a six-week strength block. Yeah. Where we're really not going to be training over eight reps very often. Mm. So we have usually triples to five, sometimes singles, depending on the individual. So Jess at the moment, because she hasn't done singles for so long, mm. we're actually extending a six week block of singles. We've got two waves. We actually peak her to bring the rep yeah. or the RPE up and then drop it back down and go again. So we actually get two waves of singles, yeah. which is not something I commonly do, but. She's very strong, very capable. Is that across a program? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. same program for so she, six weeks. So she'll do a single and then she'll do what, like three by three or something? Yeah. Um, and then you you are going up 
in intensity over that program and then you cycle it again. Correct. When you go back, it's a little bit lower. Yeah. And then you finish higher than the first single, correct? Yeah, that's the goal. Well, sorry. Yeah, yeah if it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what we're <laughs> aiming for. Whereas I have five new competitors. Yeah, that's not going to work. For this season. That's not worth it. So do they're doing yeah. four weeks yeah. of singles. Yeah. Not six weeks to eight weeks. Mm. And they're doing triples more. Yeah, because they they're drilling, drilling, the thing. drilling, drilling, drilling. Yeah. yeah. More reps, more reps, more reps, more practice. I get it. More skill acquisition. So there's a little bit in that in terms of where the athlete is and what they specifically need, how yeah. long that block goes for. Yeah. Then hybrid into hypertrophy is where most of the variances is most of the time in terms of time spent in that actual block. So, um, Mads that I work with nationals last year, hopefully qualifying for nationals this year, sits right on our weight class. Mm. So we've been in, we've been training hypertrophy level volume, but in a huge deficit to get her light so she can actually grow into a comp for the first time. Yeah, and not be last four weeks like fuck I'm not gonna make weight yeah stressing about shit underfeeding yeah yeah. so she's like really lean at the moment like the leanest yeah she looks great she's ever been so that approach is one way Mm. arguably if she wasn't necessarily looking to reduce body fat she was happy with body fat levels we would stay in the hybrid phase because she's not gonna build as much muscle yeah because if she's on the cusp we don't wanna build all this extra muscle mass and then be like, all right, now you got diet it off. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> no one wants to do that. Where I've got two of my boys that are four and six kilos under their weight class. But to be competitive, they need to fill out that weight class. Yeah. Going down would be stupid for them. It's the Hagen dazs diet, guys. That's it. Get on it. So they would spend time in the hypertrophy block with excess calories to grow and we would like to do that probably so I only that's how I treated my training I trained for trained what most people would say like a bodybuilder Mm. for probably eight months of the year and I only competed once a year we always say that we're always like powerlifters should train like bodybuilders more than they do yeah and then bodybuilders bodybuilders should you know take some of the you know less facets yeah. yeah of powerlifting yeah. into their training yeah so i on purpose i knew at five foot eight to be competitive at a national level i needed to be 100 kilos mm. like that's how much muscle i needed to have to yeah. compete against those guys so for me it was like why compete three times a year yeah you're never and gonna... be not growing for yeah eight weeks of that, that three is... times yeah it's yeah. like 30 weeks out of the year absolutely it's no different to the notorious competitor like yeah. physique competitor so you you're doing season A and B and yeah, whatever. Like you must have a hyper responded, you know, genetic based, and or you're just at a position where you don't need to make much progress. Yeah, because if you do, you got to spend time. Yeah, like even up. even com- even competitive season to competitive season. Yeah, like it takes fucking ages just to recover from the show. Yeah, and then by the time you like look at the next one, you've only been growing for like three to four months. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's almost like for a bodybuilder, it's almost a, year off. a to B. Well, you gotta, so skip 
Uh, yeah, and it's not A to A. It's A to yeah. I, I totally agree. It's yeah. like have have a year. It's eighteen months almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make the most progress, absolutely. Yeah, and that was it. it was like, what's my goal? I want to deadlift three hundred, and I want to make nationals. Yeah. So to do that, the best way to do it is to f- be in a hypertrophy block more often than not, because yeah. I need to be bigger to be able to do it. Yeah. So I only competed once a year off the back of that. Mm. Some of my girls don't need that. Yeah. The competitive experience for them, like Mads competed three times in, fuck, like seven months. Yeah, some her first block, but yeah, it's like crazy. She got realize. introduced to it, tried it, liked it, did a comp, qualified for nationals. We're going. Yeah. Now we've had, we had to do a qualifier, so we were able to just sort of soft peak, do mm. it, and then hopefully we get through, and she's got a little bit of time. So yeah, it's it's a little bit, it's it's knowing what attributes the client needs. Yeah. Is it more neurological strength? Is it more muscle mass? Mm. And then spending appropriate time in training blocks that facilitate that outcome. Yeah. Paired with a nutrition strategy that will achieve that yeah. outcome. Um, and then also then taking into account what are the secondary goals of the athlete? Yeah. Do they want to look a particular way? Yeah, they do don't they want to be like a fat powerlifter, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and like, do they want to feel not like a fridge? Yeah. Like Mads' program at the moment is mostly like an athletic base. She's doing kettlebell swings yeah, and fucking that. cardio and blah, blah, blah. It's like, mm. so she feels great. Yeah. And yeah. What's, the in, what's the likelihood of injury if she can still do all that stuff? Yeah. Way less. Green. Um, the, the, uh, the, like looking at things long-term as well, like, You've got to really work with the personality of the athlete again because mm. you, you could take a year off because you can see the benefit in that. Yeah. And like you're like way more dialed in you know, on a goal than most individuals, right? Yeah. So sometimes people need more frequent com- competitions because they won't commit yeah. to the longer term. Yeah. You know, like I, I really applaud... Anyone who even from a physique perspective goes into like an extended off season mm. to grow and add a lot of time to the physique because they're like, sometimes when it gets to like six months out from a show, they're ready. Mm. You know, they're like, I'm over it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm done with the, the, the high calories and all the shit we spoke about on the, on the fit podcast when we're talking about growing. Yeah. Um, and they need those smaller goals to keep them dialed in so that the, yeah, there's not as much like flexibility or like they're just not being slack with their yeah. you know compliance and stuff. Yeah. So then you're you're taking the you're reducing the maximum potential someone could potentially make progress wise. But it's like, is that the case because they need a shorter goal? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and there's always that that uh, person who only turns it on in prep. So being in prep more often. And that's where I think sometimes <laughs> you get those seasoned competitors. It's yeah. like without a really short-term goal, mm. they just don't have the ability to look long-term. Yeah. I mean, look, argu- arguably they're in the sport for the wrong reasons. I agree. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But there are, I, knew, I, knew, I know of people who are just like, I always need, I need something. Like I need yeah. something, I need something. And I almost think like first year, compete as much as your body will allow and the schedule will allow just so you get amongst it. Yeah. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. And then compete as much as you need, need to, you to... need based on your, yeah. your situation yeah. where you want to go in the sport or where you want to go with your own training, sorry, and your performance Yeah, and your physique in, in the physique area. 
and then you go from there. Yeah. So right, once a year or whatever. Yeah. Um, the best thing about physique training with that is they can compete multiple times in a season. Yeah. Where like realistically, yeah. you do a powerlifting meet, you're done. Like you're not doing another one in two weeks. Yeah. Like, you know, so- oh, well. <laughs> well, Yeah, you can. <laughs> We're like, you know, I've got uh, three minimum, no, four um, that are doing multiple shows in a month. Mm. So you do get your time- Yeah you know, from that process. So extending it out a little bit more can serve you because you're not losing your state, your, your time on the platform, like yeah. comparatively, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so for a gen pop in a strength <laughs> periodization model, I'm probably just cycling through those three and then it would depend on the individual and their personality type as to how often. Yeah. So if they could handle 12 weeks of hypertrophy, 12 weeks, fiber, 12 weeks strength, that's probably what I would like to do because hmm. you're getting the most milk out of the cow Absolutely. and then just cycling through that without like you can get down to triples in the strength block and be like, cool, you now look how strong you were are now compared to what you were. What's that? 12, Absolutely. 24, 36, weeks 36 ago. weeks. Yeah. 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 So it's like two thirds of a year. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. By the time you go back, it's like they haven't been in hypertrophy that long. They're like, oh, sick. This is you know, yeah, so novel. Yeah. Yeah. I'm back to the high rep stuff. Yeah. You know? So you could literally plan out a whole year's programming for someone if their goals were very clear. Yeah. It's like, how good would your business be doing that? Yeah. How dialed in would your decision making be? Especially like, if you have a pretty similar clientele. Yeah. 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 Or how good would your service be? Yeah. You know, there's no making shit up on the day. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, everyone's getting specific outcomes. Quick break in the episode, guys. I just want to ask you one question. Are you running a business or are you working a job? Running a business means thinking like a business owner, having systems that do all the grindy work for you, a service that's guaranteed to get your clients results, social media and referrals that are driving business to you and getting leads that you always close. If instead you feel like you're lost, you're stuck, you're at the mercy of your clients, you're just working another job. If that's you, you need to check out Standout PT. It's our signature education program, a 26-week online course designed to take you from working a job to actually running a business. The average coach that goes through Standout PT and completes all the modules gets a 300% increase in revenue inside their business. We have weekly workshops, weekly Q&As, and over 30 units for you to go through, or with text and video to make sure you're totally covered for everything you need in your business. Just head to stcfit.com, navigate to the Standout PT page and book yourself a free, no obligation discovery call and see if Standout PT is right for you. Back to the show. How do you review your volume? What metrics are you looking at to know you've hit the sweet spot? Um, training performance is the biggest one. Um, subjective feedback from the client, um, just in terms of how they're leaving the gym. Yep. Um, like desirability to stay at the gym and um, do they feel like they have more left in the tank? Um, things along those lines. Uh, obviously the results. Mm. Are they putting on weight? Do they look bigger? You know, um, does the data kind of suggest it? So they would be the major ones. Yeah. Um, and then it even not not always to add more, sometimes there might be to do less. Yeah. Uh, obviously lifestyle, um, in particular stress load. So, um, 
we train a lot of personal trainers. Yeah. And I think that's just natural, you know, as you kind of get more experienced. And that's a pretty stressful job. <laughs> and we, we know all about it. Yeah. Um, and then we also, I also train, uh, I'm sure you do too, a lot of high functioning um, individuals who are excelling in their own careers. Yeah. Um, and there's certain times when there's demands that just are going to eat away at time mm-hmm. and also eat away at like bandwidth and energy and, and whatever. So yep. you've just got to know if someone says like, hey, I've got a project coming up or you know, business is fucking crazy at the moment or we're doing this, we're traveling, whatever. You've got to go like, hey, it might be worth just mm-hmm. peeling this back for a bit. Yeah. Um, just with the idea of you, you know, getting quality training in yeah. and then we can kind of build things back up when things line up. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just that ongoing kind of, and that's where the coaching element is so important. Yeah. And I think that's where our, our like, we have a very fluid and dynamic system, mm-hmm. coaching system. Um, sometimes like I kind of do sit there and wonder if like, it would be better if it was super rigid, but then I think the qualities of you and I and what we've built would not be expressed as well. Yeah. But it, like, but I think what's more the the way to make it rigid is just to learn what coaching style you should adopt for that time for that client, and that's where I went heavily in on it um, in the coaching workshop when you were away. Mm-hmm. Um, so tune in next time because it's really good. <laughs> um, that's where that's probably going to be better. Yeah. yeah, it's just knowing when to just be that autocratic, like yeah, you know, do this, do this, do that. Um, but yeah, like the you've got to have a good relationship. Yeah. They can't be afraid to tell you like, hey, this sucks, this shit, um, this, uh, this is too fucking heavy this week. I've, I, haven't, I haven't really kind of felt good over the bar for two weeks now. Yeah. You need to have that feedback because something can look great on paper, mm. but feel Terrible. absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, it can even look good in video yeah. and feel terrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it doesn't work unless you get the communication right. Yeah. So, what I teach, and I, we always say like we go to shit, and people are like, I know you don't fucking do that. <laughs> so I'm gonna be that guy, <laughs> but I'll explain why. When we first started doing this, we were spreadsheet trainers. Still, we didn't have the app and stuff. Yeah, and this was a new concept. So I was dialing in. Does this work? What what do I need to see? Everything was very rigid, very systemized. Every six-week block, lay out all this data, tick box. I used to have a traffic light system. Green, good. Yellow, didn't really follow the plan enough to know. Red, bad. Yeah. <laughs> Change yeah, something, yeah. right? Inside that, what I... The best method that I've found of doing that and being really... Uh, particular with it and if you're a newer trainer and you don't have potentially the skill set that I'll explain in a minute that's the, this is the best way to do it Yeah, cycle their RPE on their main lifts over a 6 week block 7, 8, 9 typically then back 7, 8, 9 again yeah. compare their 9 RPE week 3 to their 9 RPE week 6 that's your determinant of progress not week 1 versus week 6 yeah, because there's learning that happens in a program, confidence builds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's not a real. It's like everyone can put ten kilos on their squat in six weeks because they get fucking sandbagged week one. Yeah. So week three to week six, cool. Then, what were their readiness metrics or recovery metrics 
on those two weeks. Mm. Sleep, mood, energy, soreness, maybe sex drive. What were they like? Through the roof. When, <laughs> when it was really heavy. Yeah. I would almost argue that if it was really high, like everything, you can't tell. Yeah, yeah. When they did the hard week, there's not enough. Mm. Do more. Yep. And if it falls off the cliff too much and it doesn't come back the following week when the loads get lighter, yeah, there's too much. I'm just smiling because I train a lot of young, horny men. Yeah. <laughs> sex drive's always yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's not worth asking. Yeah, sex drive, 1,000. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, yeah. If anything, it's more. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So, I think... And this is diff- this is a, an interesting way of looking at it. I've worked with quite a few coaches. I've worked with the coach that's like that, that yeah. it's data on a spreadsheet, person doesn't matter. Mm. And I've worked with the opposite. Yeah. I'm not data doesn't matter. I look at it, but readiness rate Yeah. and then check-in. And when I say check-in, it's almost... The tone of it, the length of it, yeah. the adherence, the like, did they get it in on time? And mm. did they respond when I sent them a video and all of that? And I'm like, yeah. I, there's like this, I'm really good at reading people. It's an yeah. innate skill that I have. It's called uh, emotional intelligence. Yes. Yeah. That's a characteristic it, of a coach. It, yeah. <laughs> there's that. And then there's also like, uh, growing up in a chaotic environment, you learn. So you're now a witch. Is what Basically, <laughs> <laughs> it's also a trauma coping mechanism. <laughs> so if you're if you grow up in a chaotic environment, you learn to determine how everyone else feels and looks by very subtle cues because you have to do it to protect yourself to fit into the room. Yeah. yeah. So I have that innately. Yeah. So I can tell from a check in if someone's off. Yeah, absolutely. Still have the data there. And if you're a younger coach who doesn't understand how to look and... Uh, Be pay atten- you're paying attention though. Yeah. How to look at a 30-year-old that's stressed from work and go, oh, you look really tired. Like yeah. you were saying on the pod last week, like I know when he's tired, I know yeah, like, I yeah. just fucking feel it on him. Yeah. So being able to do that with your clients is a, is a skill that you learn over time. Like you said, emotional yeah. maturity and getting to know the athlete as an individual, all that kind of stuff and you get better at it. Do, do you think it would be more fun now to train people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd fuck people up. I agree. Like mentally, just like, how? how? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't, like I was just thinking about that when we were younger and just looking at these people like, what do you mean you can't fucking move? Yeah. <laughs> Sit on your ass all day. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, all that shit Like we were just talking about even on the other pod about being understanding of just like what it's like to be heavy and sedentary. Yeah. But even just having that skill of like knowing what being really stressed is like. Yeah. Because when you're 23, like what are you stressed about? Yeah. Like, oh no, like- one client left and I'm going to go home to mum and dad's house where the food is paid for and my clothes are washed. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a different yeah, level yeah. for sure. Are going to be, it'd be a good, it'd be fun for, yeah. a, for a bit. Yeah. As long as the sessions were between like 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, that, and you, I can't put that on a piece of paper and go to a workshop and teach it. No, no. I can suggest it but we provide the quantifiable data. Yeah. And then over time, what what I think really happens is you have the quantifiable, quantifiable data in front of you and then you have the individual's behavior 
and you start to learn the patterns. Yeah. It's like, oh, so this person was poor sleep, high stress, yeah. and I didn't hear from them for a week. Yeah, yeah. They're not shit clients that didn't check in. They're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and whether that's from the training or it's from yeah. lifestyle, we have to ask the question, but... Mm. But that's where the task is the person, really. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you've got the task, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to get them to the platform. Yeah. But to get them to the platform, you've got to work the person. Yeah. So that's where it's more... Uh, from us, it's like the objective is... Like Reese is in prep at the moment. The objective is him. Yeah. It's like, get yeah. the most out of him. You yeah. know, if he's stressed, find out why. If he's got questions and doubts, you know, field them and make him feel better. Yeah. You know, if the data suggests, if something's not not right and he's not really giving me anything, I've paid enough attention to go, I need to kind of dip into that. Yeah. Like, if you work more off the person, mm. you'll get to the end outcome rather than like just looking at the end outcome mm. and totally making the person irrelevant. Yeah, just data. Yeah. yeah, because that's where people don't make it. Correct. You know, yeah. like you, I don't know, you're three weeks out and you fail a couple of your squats or your bench or your whatever and you're pissed off and you're, and you're down and whatever and the, and the coach just goes like, just do it again or, you know, just kind of yeah. doesn't give you the person what you need at the time or you're six weeks out from a show and you kind of just need that gas up that yeah. you're going to be able to make it and your coach is just like, just stick to the plan. Yeah. Like that's technically doing, working off the outcome, but it's not working the person. Yeah. I got, yeah. so I had, it was two, two check-ins for my Monday group. It turned out to be three for my Thursday group, just the way things worked out that I was totally off. First time I've ever done it as an online yeah. coach. I got three or four messages yesterday. I really needed that. Yeah. And it was the ones that I was like, fuck, you've improved so much. Everything's looking great. A couple of them were mm. competitors. Like, we're fucking on. This is going to be unreal. Yeah. And that it said in their check-in, like, oh, I'm really nervous. I'm really worried about this. I'm really... And they're the yeah. ones that need the yeah. gas up. And yeah. then the other, some of the other ones, just like, check-in was just as good as it was Yeah. three weeks ago. So they're just kind of ticking boxes. But that's where you choose... I like I love this because you literally have what I wrote in the coaching workshop what I delivered you're saying in real life <laughs> and you haven't seen it yeah um, but that's where like I always say make your words mean something yeah so you don't want to be that fucking gas up dude all the time you don't mm. want to gas people up just because you think that that's what's going to keep them coming back yeah. because that happens yeah when you say it it fucking has weight yeah and your clients are like this means so much to me yeah so one of them was a bit unfortunate timing to be honest wasn't quite at comp standard. Yeah. And kind of got a, hey, mm. yeah, this needs to be fixed hey. right now. And then she had three weeks of radio silence. Yeah. <laughs> so four things like, oh, I'm not going to make it. And fucking my yeah. lips are shit. And I came back and I was like, these are fucking unreal. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh. What a response. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's you know, it. It's part of coaching, right? You've got to, you can't be just their friend all the time. Yeah. You know, because then they don't make it or they get to the day and it's shit and you were hired for the job. Yeah, well, it's ma- partly your responsibility. I'd much rather have that awkward week yeah. than have the awkward, you bombed your squats. Yeah, or the awkward time of we're the day. Home. Yeah, at, like, yeah. At the awkward time at the event and it's like you all, you both traveled, you both put all this effort in, you're both there. Yeah. Fuck that. It's just like, we're not going to make it. Yeah. You need a dig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you start with exercise selection? I love this topic. <laughs> um, so the way I start with exercise selection is I have the five lenses that I look through 
to decide what ones that I want. Yeah. So we have uh, ones that are directly stimulatory to the outcome. Mm-hmm. So these three are going to build muscle in some way for, for me, muscle and or strength. Yep. Um, and then I have indirectly going to influence the target outcome, which is function and skill. Yep. So yeah, nice. s- skill is like the person needs to get better at doing the thing. Mm-hmm. So when they somewhere down the track are able to squat better, they're going to lift heavier weights, they're going to stimulate more muscle fibers, et cetera. Um, function is like, for me, the way I the way I define function, which everyone's going to fucking have their own definition, whatever, is being able to bear load, um, be, be able to bear load uh, through normal joint function, mm-hmm. right? So if I have the ability to load something, yeah. My hips should work in a certain way to do that. My shoulders should be able to be yep. you know, in a certain range of motion and function to do that. So sometimes at the expense of hyper-specificity, we lose function. Yeah. So that is where you get to decide how much of that goes into a program. Yeah. And sometimes it can be on the tail end of hyper-specificity. There'll be more of it. And then sometimes there'll be a little bit sprinkled in just to keep that person going, right? It's why... You know, they might not have to hook their heel into the mattress to roll out of bed. <laughs> you know, so like your boy's doing a little bit of functional shit now. Yeah. So you get to decide. And then the skill is like, what are they shit at that they need to be good at yeah. to make the target outcome better? Yeah. And you're going to have the same parallels when you um, talk about strength. Then I go loadability, access to muscle length and output. Mm-hmm. And I get to, and I'm always like, loadability is like, how heavy can we load target tissue? How much weight can we push in that particular exercise? Usually it's like multi jointed, either machine or compound exercise. Um, access to muscle length is I'm trying to bias a specific length, muscle length of the, uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to bias a specific muscle length mm-hmm. of a muscle in a movement. Yep. So that would be like, you know, you're picking some form of like variation of like pull down or, yeah. you know, fly or, you know, bicep curl or whatever that's emphasis like on the short length or the, you know, kind of the, the, the length and position. Then we have output where it's like, how can I accrue training volume mm-hmm. effectively? So the way I see it is like, that's a fixed ranged exercise that's really repeatable. Yeah. Or it's a movement that's just repeatable by the lifter. Yeah. Because yeah, I would yeah. argue, I would argue I could back squat in an output scenario far better than you yeah so it's not to say that the back squat is a shit output exercise yeah it's not the best for you yeah and if i put heels on mm. um you know nice clear ones for you <laughs> if i put lifters on i could probably accrue a fair bit of output there yeah. would i do it i'm pretty strong yeah um, i've been trained for a long period of time i've probably done a bunch of other shit in the workout to do that i probably wouldn't yeah I'd maybe go into a pendulum squat. I'd maybe go into like a leg extension. I maybe would go into a leg press and just like rep shit out. Yeah. So yeah, like I really just from there go, what parts of the workout require something loadable? Yep. What parts of the required access to a specific muscle length to develop a division of a muscle? And how can I accrue a little bit of volume in an exercise? Mm-hmm. And then I would even go a step further in saying that like in some movements that emphasizes uh, tension in a specific muscle, they don't have a really high ceiling of loadability. Yep. So you need to give them output. Like, let's just say for argument's sake, like you can only fucking um, RDL so much. Yeah. You know, dumbbell, fuck whatever, right? So if you have a 45 degree hip extension, that's not a very loadable exercise. Yeah. So what other way do you have 
to promote progression. Mm-hmm. Apple. Yeah. So you got to do more yeah. of the thing. Yeah. So yeah, same with push-ups and, you know, goblet squats and whatever. Yeah. So you've got the ability to like turn these gauges yeah. based on the exercises and it's, you know, based on like what that person has available to them, et cetera. Um, I mean, I would argue that people do way too much access to muscle length these days. Yeah. You know, like I need to bias this division of my lat when I don't have lats at all. Yeah. Um, I think loadability is definitely where the cream of the crop should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always going to lean into that as much as possible. Yeah. And then I'm like, cool. What- yeah, you need to have enough size to decide what that size really looks like before you start aiming Exactly. For- yeah. And that's where like in the workshop, I do like, this is a program designed for someone who's a beginner. And it's literally like loadability, 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 output. Yeah. There's no yeah, specialist yeah. like we're yeah. biasing this division of the lat in the stretch position. Yeah. And then it's like, this is a m- intermediate loadability, loadability, access to muscle length output. Yeah. And then it's a advanced lifter, loadability, access to muscle length, access to muscle length output. Yeah. Or output out like loadability, loadability, access to muscle length, access to muscle length, no output. Yeah. Like you just, you now have the ability to decide. Oh, and then the beginner one, there's skill. Yeah. At the start. Yeah, so yeah, skill yeah. when they're fresh. So you now have this like these cards to mm. just play out like, oh, cool. So this person, I'll play this many cards. Yeah. And then, oh, this client. Yeah. I'll take this card away mm-hmm. and I'll play this one. Yeah. So I feel like it just it just really dials in the decision-making on the workout for that person. Yeah. And I think that that makes it, the, that's the personalized workout. Yeah. So, yeah. So from a strength standpoint, the model that we use kind of determines that. Because really, like, your prime is low. Absolutely. Your accessory is still... It's loadability with more output. Yeah. Compound is, again, another step in that direction. Yeah. And then your isolation is... Is access to muscling. Correct. Yeah. So, it's the same criteria. It's just in a way different order because they don't matter as much yeah. that way than... Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, that's already laid out in the structure of the way this programming comes together. Like, that's already determined as to how many compound... Li- how many uh, multi-joint movements, how many isolation movements over a week and how, what that's going to look like. Mm. So more exercise selection is going to come down to a couple of things. One, uh, frequency over the week is a, a big thing. So exercise selection is centered around what the prime lift of that session is going to be. Yeah. So if I've got an allocation of accessories, so say I've got five prime sets a week and five accessory sets a week. They're yeah. probably not in the same day. No. I'm not going to do five sets of back squats into five <laughs> sets of fucking front squats. Now, would you do like, you might do like threes and then twos, like for fives? I or, would probably, or would generally jump? speaking, I'm trying to move that accessory day to the second day. So yeah, a okay. lot of my guys at the moment are doing a squat day with a poor squat day. So if you, if you had five prime and five accessory though, mm-hmm. if you needed to do that across two, would you just do three on one day and two on the other yeah. and then flip them? Yeah. So you then do, so you do like two heavy prime, three accessory, Mm-hmm. And then three heavy prime, two accessory. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The, I, think I would I always do the prime first. Yeah, regardless. yeah, yeah. It's just the yeah. volume switches though, Correct. right? Yeah. 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 But generally speaking, usually it's only bench press that you can't do in two sessions because the volume's too high. Of course. So generally speaking, it's not, it doesn't really become a problem. Um. So with that said, 
how do we actually pick what exercises we're going to put in there, what accessories, what multi-joint, what isolation. Mm. For a new lifter, it's predicting what the common issues of those lifters are going to be. So when I look at who I work with, most of them are still getting confident in the squat, for example. They're still learning depth. They're still learning to be comfortable under load. They're still learning output accessories, et cetera. So it's like, poor squat's great. Yeah. I just want you to sit in there and feel it. Yeah. And then I'd lead you to learn to just go there, go there, go there, go there. Mm. So it's a great exercise. If I had a more advanced person who had a tendency to fall forwards, maybe I'm looking at like a high handle safety bar or a front squat or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's predicting what is most likely to happen to this person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of breakdowns. It's like foreshadowing. Correct. And it's like most people I work with, these are the five symptoms that they have. So I'm going to write a program mm. assuming that that's going to happen and then see how they move in their first block. After their first block, we have, it's almost their first cycle. Like we talked about going through all, all of those programs. Are we going here? No. <laughs> their programs. That's cycle. on the Patreon. Um, it's, <laughs> it's almost going through their first full cycle to see exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And then I talk about having three different breakdowns. Yeah. So there's strength, which is basically you fail in position. Mm. So something, you get to a point where either load or reps get too high. And yeah. something breaks. Usually, you're in a good position when that happens. Yeah. Then there's skill. Something breaks down, not actually physically. <laughs> yes, something breaks in the lift. <laughs> then you have skill, which is like the sometimes maybe good, sometimes yeah. maybe shit. Yeah. So, you do five reps. Two, yeah. three, and five are great. Yeah, it's and like, the oh, the last three, you smashed it. And the first Correct. two are rough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you have function. Mm. And then there's like structural function and function function, which I need to change. <laughs> I say that every time. But it's basically, can you fix it? Can you go to an Allied Health Pro and get some, yeah. something changed yeah, so to allow you to function I think you could, you could separate that function into like, uh, does it have like an immediate intervention or a yeah. short-term intervention that can fix it or yeah. does it need surgery? Yeah. <laughs> or Stru a new person. <laughs> yeah, structural intervention. New parents. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the considerations. So let's say, for example, most of my lifters when they're coming through are going to primarily have skill problems. Yep. Sometimes good, sometimes shit. Yeah. As we progress, then we start to see after a year or two years of good training, then we start to see like, okay, yep. you have a tendency when the load gets heavy to fall forwards. Yeah. Or And you're probably finding that point of like... Being strong enough for it to happen. You Yeah. You need yeah. to have more strength. Yeah. And... As a coach, you become more in tune with seeing it before it happens. Yeah. So we changed, um, just using Jess as an example, because everyone kind of knows who she is. Yeah, we've got to say her name when she's not here. Too. Yeah, I was in trouble. Um, early on in her prep, it was good. We got a chance to do a face-to-face -face session, and I could see where she was going to break down already. Because mm. it's like, just your position, you're going to get stuck here. Yeah. So we changed touch point of the bar, where the elbows were and grip, and bench press exponentially improved off improved off the back of that. Yeah. So now that strength breakdown is going to be different. Can you predict that based be. on their muscle mass? Uh, like as in their composition, like you the, get clues. Yeah. So sorry, let me reframe that question. Can you predict it 
based on the distribution of their muscle mass on their physique. Yeah, so if I was to look at me when I was powerlifting, yeah. I'm like, you're going to hinge your deadlifts. Yeah, you're going to struggle off the ground. Yeah. 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 Where if someone has fucking stacked quads at the front, that's not a problem. Correct. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. if you've got shit glutes, yeah, the problem's higher up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you, you can definitely find clues in the way someone's put together. Yeah, yeah. So, so I shouldn't have said shit glutes. Less developed. I think I called someone like fat like once, and I think Jackson was just like, "I was like, no, but you know what I mean." Yeah, got more fat on. Because <laughs> we just talk to each other like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's fine. just a, it's just a word that describes the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, even just like limb limb length is probably, I probably look at limb length more than I look at musculature. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I do that all like <laughs> I look at Elijah and I'm like long arms, yeah. big hands, good deadlifts. Yeah, yeah. So like a just good deadlifts, good fighter, yeah, good basketball yeah. player. <laughs> <laughs> so and I look at everyone like that. I break that yeah. down all the time. So it's less about muscular development, more about Do you think so I agree. Um if you look at someone though who's not a who's not a beginner. Mm. Then where that muscle mass is stacked, it definitely is a would, clue. Yeah, yeah, like you would, because like look at the best powerlifters. You know, they're kind of like proportioned Perfect. in a way. Yeah, yeah. I like remember the muscle is just sits where it should sit. Right. I was chatting to Crozier, and I was like, "What's your? Do you have a thing?" And he's like, "I did a like an assessment at some like uni or whatever, mm. and they were like, your proportions are the mechanics are perfect <laughs> lifting weights.' Yeah, yeah. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah." <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But I, I'm like, I should have studied genetics at university because it just fascinates me. I love it. Genetics, just, yeah, yeah. It's like seeing people and just be like, "Fuck, look at this motherfucker's wrists." Oh yeah, yeah. It's like look oh, how, but hey, you just got to work hard, man. Look how wide their <laughs> wrists are, or fucking like their knees, or whatever. Yeah, like, it's, sick. it's just like fucking built the whole load. Yeah. Or like you can even like, you know, the wiry strong. It's like, I can see that now. I know what it looks like. And just, yeah, it's just, I like seeing that shit anyway. Absolutely. So I'm always looking at that. Mm. So once we determine what kind of breakdown it is, so a strength breakdown, we need to train a position. Yes. So when we're in actual loading, my thoracic collapses and I fall forwards under the squat bar. Yeah. So are you? what are you training that position to get? Is it, it's not to... It's not for them to learn how to get out of it with the skill. No. It's to challenge whatever's involved in that that particular portion of the lift to get bigger or stronger, stronger or both. Yeah. 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 So we would yeah. then we would look at the program exactly and go, okay, so how do I load that position more in a more extreme way? Yeah. Have you found I'm just fucking hijacking this. Have you found that even just looking at those muscles involved in that exercise, training them directly mm-hmm. ab- in absence of the position, have you found that to still be effective? The only reason why I ask is because I know a lot of people who do it that way. I couldn't say because I've always done it with both. Mm. Do you think that's a reflection of the people you train though? Because I like I would argue that training the position along with the muscles involved in it is still a, there's still a skill element to it mm-hmm. and then if you had someone who had all the skill maybe they just need more muscle that's yeah. involved in the exercise mm-hmm. so then getting those muscles bigger 
yeah allows them to in that position use that muscle to add to the amount of force that that they can produce yeah i think like does will crozier get work do positional work in a portion of the lift to add more muscle and strength or does he do it to just learn how to use the muscle that he adds in the in the program yeah. so i i think it's like a chicken or the egg answer i get it yeah i think I think I would always do both. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I don't think there'd ever be a time one where in, in like, isolation of the other. Yeah, just back the load off and train more back. Yeah, okay. Like I, I don't think I would do that. Yep. I'd be like, change the exercise so yep. you can train hard yep. and train more. And back. then, like in the hypertrophy block, like we're gonna fucking yeah. stack the stack the back volume or whatever. Yeah. So let's say that that's that's what's happening, right? I'm collapsing through my thoracic on rep four a little bit, five a lot. And it's repeatable. I did five sets and I saw it five times. Mm. Like, I know you're weak here. Yep. So, what are we going to do? Cool. Well, I can change your... If they're doing the prime squat and they're near competition, you're not changing it. Absolutely not. Just fucking get stronger. (laughs) Just do the thing more. If you've got time to change it, so you've got a gen pop client or you're far enough away from competition, I would say far enough away is like eight weeks plus. Then I would move to a variation of the exercise that's going to be more challenging to that thing. Yeah. High handle front squat, maybe even for upper back, it's actually tucking it down. So pulling that those handles down and forcing you into that position so you're fighting it up. Safety bar? Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, so that would be like my main squat. So technically it's an accessory, but it's the main squat of that day. Yeah, yeah. Or of the week. Then I'm looking across the week and I'm like, okay, so what kind of compound exercise would I do? It's like, maybe a good morning is useful. Mm. Like, a lot of people will be like, oh, good morning is a shit exercise. Like, is it? Yeah. Like, in that context, it might be great. Yeah, in the right circumstances, it makes Um, sense. The only thing I wouldn't do is searches because I do think they're a shit exercise. (laughs) A lot of people use them. Oh, man. That's like just... They're coming back and... Yeah. (laughs) Resurgence. I, I don't get it, but whatever. Yeah, if you're failing falling forwards in a squat and you're using a zercher to fix it, you're stronger than your zercher. Yeah. Like, and the weight's not... I don't know. That's what I mean. I'm you, just like a practice how you play type of thing. You can't hold think. enough weight to challenge that pattern. Yeah. Enough. I absolutely agree. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah. If you're using them, keep doing it. Uh, I have used them in the past. So then I might go, all right, so now I've got my squat kind of... I'm using that as an accessory, which is the main movement. I've got a multi-joint exercise that's uh, the good morning. Then I'm going into maybe my isolation. Maybe I'm doing, uh, I've seen people do like like spider curls. Yeah. So they have to hold position. So it's like, hey, you're going to go train your biceps. Just hold that position for a bit. Yeah. Like you don't have to go that crazy. You don't have to. You could just leave it and that's enough. Mm. But then you can also start to think like, well, instead of fucking around with my bicep curls, I've got to train, let's say I'm training back. Yeah. What position can I put myself in to challenge maintaining neutral a neutral thoracic? Mm. It's like, okay, so for hypertrophy, a, a penlay row sucks. Absolutely. <laughs> Jace fucking hates it. That's why I use the example. <laughs> However, doing a penlay row with the intent of loading, pulling you forwards, 
still training the back to an acceptable manner, mm. probably going to maintain muscle mass. Yeah. Maybe that's a useful exercise. Mm. So then we can start to look elsewhere in the program of like, oh, where can we do that? Where can yeah. we apply this challenge? Obviously, we don't want to do too much, but where can we just apply a little bit of challenge into that? Yeah. Skill, again, how can I challenge the skill breakdown? Most people, it's going to be tension in the hole. So it's like, well, all right, yeah. I want you to break parallel a fucking lot. Yeah. So it's reverse deficit lunges. It's heel touch step ups. It's, you know what I mean? Like mm. we're, we're thinking across the board, how do we move? So, sorry, I skipped a part. So strength, we're challenging position. Skill, we're challenging movement. Yes. So for the squat, if it's in and out of the hole that we're losing, I want to train you through that movement. So I want you to drop below parallel and come out of that position as many times as recoverable in a week. Yeah. So then I go, you've got a leg press in your program, do a single leg. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put a lunge variation in, do a reverse deficit. Psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's like... Yeah, I get it. That's where the exercise selection part starts to come in. Of course. And like you'll see, if you pay attention to my stories, you'll see a lot of my girls, because they only post their prime lifts, a lot of their programs look the same. Yeah. But they're not. Yeah, I get Because this is where the stuff starts to yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, they all have to do the prime lift. Because Correct. Because that's like fucking how you determine like whether the target outcome's working or not. Yeah, and like, they're all within 10 kilos yeah. of each other. They're all within a similar training age. They're all within yeah. a similar strength range. Let's be real. Like, only working with like, typically like, everyone would do 15 of the same exercises in my opinion, mm. maybe in a mild variation. And there's only like, that would make up like 65, 70% of someone's program. Yeah. So there's only like 30% that actually has high end variability. And I'm being pretty generous there too, for yeah. 30%. Yeah. 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 So that's answers the question uh, of- <laughs> We went some places. Where there. to start with exercise? <laughs> uh, yeah. Another quick break in the episode because we have a new service for you guys. We know your Instagram suck. You're not getting the leads you want. You're not getting the engagement you want, even though you're spending hours per week on content. STC's Instagram management service is designed to take the stress out of guessing what you need to put on social media, give you direction, and actually start getting the leads you want and deserve in your business. We can even do the content creation for you. All you need to do is head to the stcfit.com, navigate to Instagram management, book a discovery call, and we can work through what you're doing well, what you need help with, and find a solution for you. How do you assess someone's physique? By staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, I think you've got to think, you've got to understand like what the target outcome is for that physique. Yeah. You know, like we said before, like, most women want to be like real bottom heavy with some nice shoulders. Um, so you've got to just assess like through that lens of like, well, if this person wants like well, like a wellness physique, let's say for example, because it's really popular, really desirable physique for some for most ladies. And then the men are like, I want the X frame. Yeah. you got to look at things through that idea. But then if you've got a guy that's like, I don't really want big legs. I was just about to say, I want a Dorito. Fucking X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't really want big legs. Like, you know, it's just like from the clothes perspective, from like the training commitment perspective, like, you know, a lot of tradies actually, you know, for whatever, like can't get fucked up legs because they Good need to spend time too. on the ladder walking on roofs and shit. Yeah. So, you know, fucking their 
um, legs up twice a week ain't going to work. <laughs> you know? So then you've got to go, well, all right. I can't train legs because Jace picks on my kicks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you look at it from that perspective, um, you know, front, side and back. Uh, posture is obviously a big one because posture dictates, you know, kind of how someone could potentially move in a position. Not always because there's dynamic posture and static posture. Um, but yeah, you get a good idea of just like where we need to pack the muscle on, you know, what we could potentially do in the training um, yeah. to facilitate that. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty easy one. I'm great at... Um, so I like to use like flexed move... Uh, pis- like uh, flexed photos, like... Mm-hmm. I think that shows way more. Yeah, I agree. Um, like your, your standard kind of um, front hands to the front, you know, arms to the in front of you to the side, and then you know, kind of arms behind you. Like it doesn't really give you as much as like a front and rear double bicep will. Agreed. You know, even if someone can't hit the shot, yeah, you know, to the best of their ability, like the shoulders pop, the arms pop, the lats pop, like mm-hmm. the legs pop. Like you yeah. can get much more from a just something simple like that. So I would argue that. You know, for most clients, like that would be the best. And then obviously, like, you know, if I've got someone who's a, an advanced trainee, like we're yeah. doing, you know, mandatories and probably another a front and, and yeah. rear double bicep as well. And then we go, cool. Like I can see the detail in the back now. Yeah. We need more here, more this, there, yeah. you know, chair same, like, you know, not as full on the shelf, like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of whatever. So, yeah, that, that gives me an indication of what to train. Not necessarily how much. Um, mm. And... And what to train and how they move. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I've got to factor in on top of that what they've historically done. Yeah. You know, so that's in the needs analysis. So at the end, we do, like we do the needs analysis of the lifter to put all this shit together and then you write a program. I'll use you because it's easy. Um, notorious, like background of powerlifting, notoriously not in positions of extreme muscle length, mm-hmm. um, you know, hyper arch, um, in most of the pressing exercises to make the movement more efficient. Because of that, for most people, the pec development yeah. is either a certain way or just lacks a little bit, mm-hmm. especially in that upper pec region. So you take that and then you look at someone's progress photos and you go, cool, we need to do a fuck ton of pressing. Yeah. And then you go to the gym and they turn every press into a decline. Jason's chest-specific... Chest, uh, chest specific program and come out with fucking massive delts. Yeah, that's yeah. So you do every press with this huge arch. Yeah. So you've got to factor in like you know how they move traditionally, what sport and activities they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's where maybe just like I said, you now with the hammer and the nail. Yeah. You can't just throw a bunch of strokes of the hammer at the nail because yeah. you've yeah, got to go. Matters. Well, it's like, how's that person doing it? And like, you know, for most powerlifters, like every single press is like this, I can't even arch, this <laughs> overarch position. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that that just doesn't effectively train the pecs across the muscle length as much as you could. Yeah. You could probably do it for that particular exercise, mm. but could we not pick other exercises? So that's where maybe for yeah. a powerlifter moving into bodybuilding might be more beneficial to do like dips, push-ups on a deficit. Yeah. Um, and some flies mm-hmm. because you are putting someone in a position where they are accessing like a deep muscle length, you know, deep stretch position because they've got no problems shortening their pecs. Yeah. Like yeah. fucking lifting ridiculous amounts of weight like away from each other. It's like, that's fucking, 
That's pretty cool. short fucking peck if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. It's just like no one's really accessing like this deep kind of stretch position. So, yeah. so yeah, th- those things influence it outside of like just looking at the physique. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to take a really different angle than I thought I would when I wrote this question down. Cool. I think assessing a lifter whose goal is to become very strong. The first thing I want to see instead of like looking at the physique is look at it's the floppy versus stiffy thing. Oh, absolutely. It's like, can you create tension? Are you good at it? Which if you're really good at it, usually means you're shit at getting into positions. Yeah. And if you are good at getting into positions, you're usually really shit at creating tension. And that's typically females tend to be better at getting into position. Men tend to be better at creating tension, but it's not always that way. Generally speaking, though, that's a bit of a hint. So I just like to see... And then the the next part of it is um, assessing a lifter is their first week of videos, looking at tension-created mobility and looking at effort. Yep. How close to failure are you willing to train? And do you train? Because that's going to determine whether you get more volume or uh, exercise selection may be more aggressive and less forgiving if you don't really train that hard. Mm-hmm. If you're burying yourself, you get more isolation work. You know, think of it. We should do on that note. <clears throat> so we should have warm ups in a sequence mm-hmm. that are for those two yeah types of people. Agreed. Because ours kind of just sits in the middle. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like you give specific, both, yeah. you give specific ones to specific people. But I just wonder if, as a general, yeah, physical preparedness, you could just have stiffy warm up. Yeah. So you just have <laughs> ST, just so they have no idea, and then you'd have FL. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you could have warm up sequences for those. So you could t- t- determine, and then you could have one as a hybrid warm up. Yeah. And then you just determine. It's basically what it is now. Yeah. Who gets? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I like that. Coming up with ideas on the podcast. Always. Yeah, so that they're probably the main things I'm looking at. Yeah, Because even exercise selection and all of that is going to... A floppy is going to get a different program to a stiffy. 100%. Because it's... Uh, yeah, I need to... You're doing like a counterbalance squat or something at the start of the workout just to get rigid, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Cueing is going to be different. Positioning is going to be different. It's more like the accessory that you select is going to be the main difference. Yeah. Like if, if everyone... If, when we say strength, I'm looking at it through a squat bench deadlift lens right now. Mm. The accessory is going to be the main difference. Yeah. So if you're a stiffy, maybe it's a box squat. If you're a floppy, maybe it's a poor squat. Yeah. And maybe it's a pin press versus a spotto. Mm. Like just, yeah, you know what I mean? Different yeah. little nuances on different just exercises. Leaning into whatever the the demand, like the capabilities are of that lifter based on their characteristics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Training more of what they're shit at. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And that exponentially improves. Well, it leans into it. It leans more into the movement focus pace, right? Which is like that, you know, if you, you want to clear those lenses between like a, a a physique based our lifter and a, and a a strength based lifter, like Mm. if you're really separating them, that's how you're looking at both of these things. Yeah. And then it's not like, I'm ever not looking at those things. Yeah. And it's not like you're ever not Correct. looking and going, you said you would like better glutes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. let's pick movements and stuff that outside yeah. of when we're competing, 
you get a fatty, you know? Yeah. You Jess just put a post up. Um, <coughs> she basically has a glute day. Yeah. And it's like, it's actually really beneficial to the way she trains. Yeah. But it's also, you also want to have a dumpy. So, yeah. like, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, just so people at home, like, we never look at these things, like, in isolation. Like, I still look at the strength stuff the way Ben does. Yeah. He still looks at the physique shit the way that we we yeah. have it outlined. It's yeah. just working out which one works best for the person at, at a given time. Yeah. And it's always a given time, I think. That's where you become, mm-hmm. you become less rigid in your decision-making and less biased in your approach. Yeah. <clears throat> Even the coaching styles, it's like, you can be autocratic with Jess now, mm. but then you'd be more collaborative after the, sh- after the, the meet. 100%. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, they're two different styles of coaching. We've actually, when we first started, it was pretty autocratic. Yeah. And then it became really collaborative for a, probably almost a year. Mm. And now it's like, hey, it's comp time, do what it's, you're told. Yeah. And, that, yeah. Yes. and, and like <laughs> yeah. the, the reason why I like using the word autocratic is because everyone thinks it's bad. Yeah. You know, they think like, because if you're an autocratic style of manager, yeah. you're an asshole. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. However, yeah. I would argue most of them, are this, you know, you look at the Forbes fucking top 100. Yeah. How many of those guys are collaborative? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's like, but that's where everything you do though, you, I feel like you can't be fixed. You just need to have methods. Yeah. So we've got methods. So you can't, you, you don't have to sit there and be like, well, we we never look at physique this way because mm. this is how I program. Yeah, and we, and I I don't sit there and go I never look at strength this way. Like yeah. it's like, what does the client need? What does it involve? What characteristics? Yeah. How do we do this? And then yeah, another la- layer to that is like, how do I communicate with that person? Yeah, and even for that given period. Yeah, and your personality will also attract different people who respond to the autocratic versus collaborative differently. Mm. I would imagine I get more collaborative clients than you. You get more autocratic people that want autocratic yeah, more just, than me. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, so what do you want to do? Like I get a bit too collaborative and they just look at me and I'm like, oh wait, you just want me to tell you what to do, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Whereas I tend to be, tell me on the spectrum of, because even my competitors, it's not their life. They yeah. don't compete the way I competed. Yeah, so you know it's like I mean? what, you almost want to ask them like, how high of a regard do I hold you to this? How far along this spectrum are mm. you willing to commit to getting the up, utmost yeah. you can out of this? And yeah. what compromises do I need to make to make this a really enjoyable process for you? Yeah, I feel that. Because for me, an enjoyable process is the load goes up. Mm. I don't care anything else outside of that. When I was competing. Yeah, nothing absolutely. else. Don't care. It's my life in a nutshell, <laughs> right? Forever. <laughs> yeah. Where then it's like, okay, so Jess also wants to look really good. Mm. Okay, so we're gonna. It actually hasn't affected her outcome whatsoever, not. but maybe for a few other people that they're like, I got one of my girls that was like, I want to be able to run. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. We do less accessories. <laughs> we train once less per week, so you've got the recovery for the impact. Fine. Yeah. You're going to lose a little bit. I don't know how much. I can't give you a percentage, but yeah. you'll still make progress. You'll still get stronger. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what I mean? It's just of like, yeah, that's yeah. that's probably where, and then the collaborative process also, I think, particularly for who I work with, which is beginner intermediates, um, is like the body composition thing. What yeah. do, you, do Are you willing to go through what it takes to get into the weight class? Yeah. My position is always don't. <laughs> Because it's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Unless you're an elite athlete. Correct. Unless you're pushing for medals. Yeah. How hard are you willing to push? What are you willing to give up to do that? That's, the collab stuff kind of comes in with uh, body composition more so than the actual strength outcomes. Mm. It's more manipulating nutrition. Yeah. Is where the collab stays high coming into comp. Yep. Once we've made the decision though, yeah, like we need to do this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. That was huge. Yeah. So I still have. <laughs> no, it's actually only one the one topic that I was going to cover, which I think we can do on fit, which would be fun anyway. All right. RPE versus rep and reserve versus percentage. Yeah. Well, it's to tune into fit this Wednesday. We'll talk about it. Right. So what if uh, if people liked what they heard, where where can they go to get a little bit more? Come to the Gold Coast, sunny Gold Coast air conditioned room, second and third of March mm-hmm. at Zero Weakness. Link is in the bio. Tickets are available right now. There are only limited spots in the room, yep. so make sure you don't fuck around and make us anxious. That yeah, how many people are going to be in the room when we come up? It's always get stressful your as well. Two days, jam-packed, physique, strength. You have everything that we just spoke about in a system. Yeah. Hell, if you come and don't listen, you'll just get everything to be able to put a bunch of numbers into a, cal- uh, into a calculator and it'll be able to spit out the outcome. <laughs> like, and then you it's, can just get good at applying. It's hilarious that we talk for eight hours and it's yeah. just like, put a number here, there you go. Yeah. Right, Literally, the, <laughs> the whole day is just going over like, please, this is how we get these numbers and then you'll just have everything to be able to apply it. Yeah. And yeah. I think, what, what did Thomas say? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> This spreadsheet's worth three times what I paid for the ticket. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it uh, absolutely is. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks fun. for tuning in, guys. Love right. some feedback if uh, on this particular episode if you do want more mm. technical skills, skill stuff. You can see like, hey, let's talk about programming. We better do a double episode. Uh, so if you want more of it, mm. let us know. Questions are always welcome and we can tackle, yeah, specific stuff yep. around whether it's programming, exercise selection, physique, strength, little bit of athlete, athletic development. If I don't know, I won't answer. I don't know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. All right, see you next time.